Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for life and leadership in Christ. Today on the podcast, legendary Bible teacher, Amy Seifert. You might know Amy from her YouVersion Bible app or her Instagram page, Bible Minute with Amy. Such good teaching. We talk about women in leadership. We talk about the importance of the local church. We talk about her journey and how she ended up here. We also talk her latest resource, Starved. It's all about helping people think about their uh, spiritual diet. You're absolutely going to love this conversation with Amy. She is a gem and an incredible teacher. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Amy Seifert. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited today to have theologian and Bible scholar, author, and speaker, Amy Seifert. Amy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I don't know if I would say scholar, but thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it. Listen, I did I did see that you're in seminary, I, yes, right? You're going to seminary I, at Denver? Yes, yes. You're, you're with that incredible... Listen, I've never wanted to be in a seminary class more <laughs> than the group that you have in this, that are gathered. This So Jamie Nato was on the podcast not too long oh, ago. I love her. And she's in that group, right? She's in that group, and she is hilarious. She's like the class clown. Yeah, I don't... This group mm. is phenomenal, and they are visionaries, and they're doing stuff for Jesus, and I don't really know how I wound up there, but man, I'm... I'm going to get an A in community, if if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what an incredible group of of leaders and just uh, people who I think are putting incredible theological thoughts out in the world. So I'm super excited. It's one of those things where it's like I'm I'm kind of just tracking it from a distance, not not in the creepy way, but in just kind of like the intriguing way. Yeah. Like, so um, yeah. You've done a lot of things over the years. I, I kind of always like to start off with uh, kind of a big macro question, which is how would you describe the calling that God has placed on your life? Yes, uh, that's a great question. I am I would say I can trace this back to when I was in the third grade. Really the desire to communicate and teach. And I didn't mm. even know what that Meant, I thought it meant in a classroom with elementary school kids. Um, and so I pursued that. But the more that unfolded, as God does, I realized, oh, like after I became a believer and started opening the word for the first time when I was 16, I was like, oh, I want to teach this. I don't even know what this Bible is, but I want to teach it because I, wow. you know, so that's been unfolding, communicating and teaching. And really, once I grab onto something, I want to share it with others. I, um, I deeply appreciate the, your teaching method and it's both personal and it's, it's done with a lot of grace and you, you clearly spend a ton of time studying the text in, in your book starved. One of the things that you do is you, you talk about your son's Crohn's disease that was diagnosed in 2018. And we'll get into a lot of that, but I think that there's a lot of leaders listening who want to teach from their personal stories how do you know when it's time to to use a story in your teaching versus keeping a story private? Oh, that is the great question <laughs> that we all wrestle with. Um, you know, I I've learned the hard way. I, I have shared some things before that I hadn't quite found the depth of healing I needed yet, and so I was still kind of bleeding on the page, if you will, about it. Hmm. Um, and so I really try to ask the spirit 
is this for others now, or is this still just you and me? And, uh, just trying to listen like, yeah, this story. And, and I, and I try to share with, um, one or two closer to me before I'm on a stage with a microphone to see, is this speaking to others? Do others find encouragement and help from this or not? So it is such a dance and it's such a, a, a listening, a time of listening from God of, is this, yeah, do I keep it close or do I, do I put it out there as well? If it doesn't involve me specifically, like if it involves my kids, they have gotten to an age, I ask permission to share like, Hey, I mean, I had to sit down with my son and say, this book came out of like your diagnosis. How do you feel mm-hmm. about me sharing your life that will be in print forever? Like, how's that, how's it sit for you? You know, and just talking about that and even just little stories I've shared. uh, Yeah. And I've shared about my kids at different points and in in a sermon and afterwards, some one child has been like, why'd you do that? Why I'm embarrassed by that? You know? So, oh my gosh, I didn't know. So I've learned a lot as a a mom who is also a preacher, what is fair game and what's not, um, and to not laugh at my kids at their expense unless they're, they're ready for it. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I was curious. So, um, Robbie is the one who was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And so, you know, Robbie's diagnosis had to have been hard and, and just like, and yet it becomes the, this metaphor for the entire context of the book and, and you, you kind of run it there. How, How did you, how did God reveal to you that you could take this, moment in time, this horrendous moment in time where, I mean, the, the the anxiety about watching your son lose weight and just kind of the way you tell the story in the book is beautiful and just like, but also heart-wrenching. And so how, how did God say, no, you should use this to encourage other people to evaluate what they're consuming in my name? Yes. Um, well, he hit me, he hit me with it in my kitchen when I was <laughs> unloading everything with, with Robbie's diet. Um, I remember turning, like we were just taking literally everything out of our pantry and looking at it to see what's in these spices. What, is there some sort of sn- sneaky yeast or maltodextrin? And we're just turning everything out. I mean, my kitchen was a wreck. Everything was out and I was so overwhelmed. I feel like the Lord just quietly, it's always real quiet and gentle, not like me, but he was like, Hey, you might need a spiritual diet change. Like you are anxious. You are overwhelmed. You have put this whole weight on you to fix your son's diet. Like, can you come to me in the quiet? And I just, so that, but that was for me and, and God for quite some time to just even learn a new way of coming to God as the shepherd to shepherd me through. And so that came out in different ways, different little posts that slowly developed to man. I think our culture might need a spiritual diet change (laughs) and the church as well as the greater culture. And so just kind of in pieces came until I was really able to write it out, verbalize it, process it with some close friends. Does this, does this hit with you, this idea of a spiritual diet change, you know, just kind of trying it out. Um, But yeah, it was a slow, a slow chat with the shepherd before I could put it out there. I uh I appreciate the the intimacy that you have with God and I, I think 
Um, a lot of people crave that intimacy and there's leaders listening who are super busy like you, their moms and dads and they're, they're working and they've got all the things. How do you create that intentional intimacy with the Lord on a daily basis? Oh, I, I'm not good at it. I need to practice just as much as everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I like noise and loud and ding. So it's a good question because I, I wrote star just as much for me, um, as anybody else. My favorite practice truly is it's real chill. It's five minutes of silence a day, Mm. which, you know, some of your leaders listening might be like five minutes. What's that going to do? Um, but I'll tell you the first four minutes of my first five minutes of silence that I practiced years ago was really painful because I was out of silence shape, if you will, and didn't know how to do it. And, uh, and it's so good for me because I would, I tend to want to push and prove and produce for my worth and sitting, doing nothing, letting myself be loved. That heals so many things. And often the five minutes gets a little bit longer if I've got that time, but that helps me often kind of recenter on who God is and sends me in a different direction. Um, I try to do it midday, actually, before my kids come mm. home from school. So I work from home and they all they, they bust through the doors between 2.30 and 4 at different times. And so around 2, I think, okay, it's about to go from quiet to chaos. And what are we going to do here? And so that's, it's simple. And I, I'll tell you what, Tony, it's not like, it's not like God speaks to me profoundly all the time. Sometimes there's nothing and it's just silent. It's good. But sometimes there's a word or a scripture or I watch a bird outside and I'm reminded of Matthew six that God provides for them and he's going to provide for me. So yeah, that's been really helpful. I wondered, um, and, and I could be off here. I, it felt like as I was reading the beginning of the book, um, and you listed Isaiah 51 out, I think, uh, 55, 55, yeah. Isaiah mm-hmm. 55 out. Um, did that come from the Lord? Cause it, it felt kind of divinely placed. I, I would be interested to hear the story about how you came to that. I, as I read it, I was like, Oh, this is, this has got some juice on it. <laughs> yes. You know what? I have, I have loved Isaiah forever and I fully, I do not understand Isaiah. I can't wait to learn more from Denver Seminary on Isaiah because it's bananas to me. But there are different points of Isaiah that I've just been drawn to for years. And Isaiah 55, I mean, I'm talking for like a decade. I've always thought, man, his shout, God's shout to come, even if you have no money, come and buy, which is really strange. So who's paying for the food? (laughs) Oh, God is right there, standing there paying Mm. for us and our food. And even there in Isaiah, when there's, you know, they're in captivity. Um, So, but when I read it, when I read it in the message for the first time, I was like, all right, Eugene Peterson. He was like, if why, why do you spend your money on spiritual junk food, on cotton candy Mm. that won't satisfy? I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's. That's literally what I'm doing. That's good. <laughs> so good. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. How, and literally we had to change, we had to swap sugar for honey for Robbie's diet. They can't have sugar. The only mm. sweetener is honey. And just thinking cotton candy for honey. What does that look like in our, in our lives on, on a daily basis? But yeah, Isaiah 55 has just been an anchor. It's so deep. 
come eat, live. That's the call. I don't know. I can't get over it. <laughs> how do you decide? How do you decide? I mean, you do your, your Bible minute with Amy, which I love on your Instagram. Thanks. And uh, if, if you don't follow her on Instagram, you should. It's, it's really good content that you're putting out there regularly. How do you decide what, what verses to share? The, you know, that, that content, take me into the creative process of someone who's, who's writing a lot of content. And I mean, you're constantly putting out stuff either for you version or yourself or teaching at your local church or like, how does that work in your brain? I know. What a good question. Um, some, I just told this to my husband. I was like, I, I think I'm, I'm empty. I don't have anything more. I think I'm done. You know, like I get all dramatic. Like I have, I've poured it all out. And he looks at me, he's like, I bet not. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so there's points where I feel like I got nothing. And other points, um, it really comes from reading, reading the word. If I'm reading and I'm just yeah. sitting there and whatever I'm reading, sometimes I think, could I, I like the, ch- okay. I like the challenge of reading a passage and thinking if I had one minute of someone's attention, that our attention is so distracted and terrible. If I had one minute with somebody say on Instagram, what would I want them to know from this passage? Could I distill it in a creative way that would make them stop and think, huh, I haven't seen God that way or Jesus or whatever, or myself. Um, and so then my brain starts rolling. So I like the challenge of taking a big thought down to something small that my friend Cassie would under, you know, I have somebody in my head that would feel like, okay, that hit me. Um, so it comes from my reading or conversations with my friends. I'll start sharing a thing. And if they say something, I'm like, oh, I'm going to need to think about that. And just FYI, I might use that to share. <laughs> so everybody knows. Are you, are you a notes in the phone yes. kind of gal? Yeah. Or are you more of a journal? Notes or? in my phone, writing notes in my phone. I actually have a little note in my phone, like Bible minute thoughts. Um, mm. But yeah, there are moments where I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And I, I have prayed. Is there anything I try to pray regularly? It, it's so funny. I've gotten some pushback on like having an Instagram ministry. And um, I'm like, you know what? That's where people are and that's okay. Right. And I'm going to put goodness into this platform that could, you know, there's all kinds of crazy thing out there. And, and so I have prayed like, God, is there something you want me to put on the gram that whoever, you know, who's going to see it. And then sometimes, sometimes something comes, sometimes nothing. And I just keep looking at the grass and walking, but, um, just really trying to bring, you know, invite God into this because I think it matters. Yeah. I think people are hungry to, to understand God's word in a fresh way. I think one of the most important practices for leaders is writing. Do you have, um, whether that just be emails or, you know, sermons or whatever papers. I I just think writing clarifies our thoughts. Mm -hmm. Do you have like, when you're in book writing mode for like starved, do you, or I don't know if you're writing one currently. Uh, Oh, I figured, (laughs) uh, I was hoping to a teaser, uh, but do you, do you have a process? Uh, yes. I'm going to say a loose process. And then man, I've joked about this too. The phone, the phone is, has its blessings and its curses, but I'll tell you, I, I, I end up writing on my phone, like in the car line while well, I got 10 minutes and I'm like putting mm. a paragraph in. Um, so I like the idea of sitting in the woods at a computer all serene for hours and like, but often it's on the fly. I don't know if that's how I'm built or I'm a product of our culture or, or a combination of the two, but 
to just really harness those thoughts really quickly and write those down. But I do try to write every day and sometimes I have to write every day to meet a deadline. Um, yeah. so that's a, that's a discipline that's been built into to my life, but I am a, like I, I was an English major. So writing, I just, I love it. Um, I, I was curious as I, one of the things I like to do when I'm doing what I call a podcast read for the book, right. Which is where I, I've kind of read the book, but I, I don't read it like for my own personal thing. I read it kind of abstractly to see what I can pull. And one of the things I notice is that there's like, there's 14 different chapters in the book starved, right? And the first three are about what you're starved by. And then the last 11 are what you're starved for. Mm. Um, when you create that, when you create that as a writer, do you start from the top down? Like, are you looking at the long-term picture or is it more like just a chapter at a time, not knowing what's next? Um, these are great questions. I love talking about this stuff. Um, I, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so great. I have... I, I'll kind of word vomit like a, well, what is it called? Like a, um, brainstorm. brainstorm or a word cloud situation, but put it, put all the different things that we're starving, you know, that are starving us or starving for by, and I put them all, um, on a, on a piece of paper in front of me. And then I put them on note cards and I ended up, you know, at first I think I had 20 and then I was like weeding them out. Cause I'm like, that's too many. Um, and then starting to make that linear storyline too that can run through it. Um, and, and many people were like, you started with Robbie and you made us wait till the very end. Like, how's he doing? You know, like, I know we had to travel that road. But um, yeah, so I definitely laid it out. The note cards are huge for me because I can see them visually with the chapters and then also move them around to say like, what, what do people need to hear when, when it comes to how I lay this book out? And what gentle voice needs to come before maybe hitting with a, with a harder challenge. Um, Mm. Yeah. So thinking about tone and voice as well as storyline and my publishers are so helpful with this too. They have an eye for how a book can, can lay out. So man, it is a group project in the truest form. (laughs) Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Amy to remind you that the highest compliment you can give us share this episode with a friend. Every time you share the podcast, it tells um, somebody in your world that this content is valuable. And we just deeply appreciate that. So, hey, if you're enjoying this conversation with Amy, can you do me a favor and share this with a friend? Just real quick, hit the share button, whatever podcast app you listen to, and tell your friends about what God is doing on this platform. Now, let's finish up this conversation with Amy. One of the things that's clear is I've I've gotten to know your story a little bit in, in preparation for all of this is that you you have led groups of people for your entire ministry start you know kind of starting at Crew and and what you did at Bowling Green and then even to now right you're constantly leading people um, I, I was curious as someone who's never been in your shoes as a female leader in a predominantly male wor- world. What that? What has that experience been like for you? And how do you live in that tension that I'm I, that has to be there? You are so great. Thanks for even observing and noticing that. Yes, it is a male space. You know, it's been quite a journey, um, and I even share some of that in Star from from being told uh, when I was a senior in college, I was paired up with an, another guy to co lead. 
a, a group together on campus. We were doing sororities and fraternity Bible studies. And he had you bring the brownies, he, yes. right? <laughs> Uh, and it took me a minute. Yes. I, I, I came to our meeting like, Hey, these are the things I want to, I want to teach. I think we could teach together. And he, you know, said, Hey, you know what? I was thinking, I'll just, I'll take care of the Bible study part. What if you could just bring like the brownies? And it wasn't like some brownies. It was like the, like as if we needed them. And then I was the girl for the job, you know? So it just was this moment um, it was pretty a pretty defining moment. I will say though, I did take that conversation to the crew the, the crew staff at the time, and they were like, "Oh no, no, we're going to make sure you bring the word." Um, and just really advocated for both men and women to be teaching, which was really beautiful. But yeah, there's been these moments where I feel like one of these things is not like the other. Walking into different spaces and. Just a couple of years ago, I was invited by my pastor to come into um, a conference, and there were only about 40 pastors, but it was all male. I was one of two women in the room. And of course, I noticed wow. right away, I walk in, I'm trying to see, like everybody does, who's like me here? Do I fit? Do I belong? Mm-hmm. And the one other woman in the room was, um, and this, she was fantastic at it, but she was making the whole thing work. She was bringing out the bagels. She was putting coffee together. There sure. wasn't anybody, another female that was like, I'm here to brainstorm outreach and evangelism and thinking through our community connection to our culture. Um, and it became that two days at, really by the curiosity of the pastors. But one, it started with a pastor saying to me in the taco bar line, like, hey, how did you get here? Hmm. And um, it was kind and sweet, but it was just a like, do you mean like, where was I born? Like, did I come by, by, by plane? Like, how did I get in there? You know, (laughs) just being funny, but I I understood his question. And so what I loved is them asking, I think I present a, oh, I think, I think having a side-by-side nature of men and women leading together is a, is a beautiful representation of what we've seen in the garden. They, we are both image bearers, both blessed together, both side by side, um, before the fall, you know? So I think, yeah, I, at points I've been frustrated to God and thought, why do I feel like I have to pioneer these spaces? (laughs) Um, but he's been faithful. He's like, I'm, I go before you. Like, it's not you pioneering. Mm. I'm going before you. I've got the hatchet. I'm making a path. Follow me through. I know that there's a lot of um, male leaders who are listening right now. Uh, I wonder if you could give them one or two things that they could do to help promote um, that side-by-side mentality? Like what, what were one or two things that you wish somebody would have done for you? Or maybe I think pastor Steve may have done Mm -hmm, for you or like kind of what, what can, I mean, help us. What can we do better? Mm -hmm. Ah, I love your heart pastor. Thank you. Um, I would say, um, set more chairs out for women and invite them to whatever table you're at. Mm. Um, and if your church isn't designed to do that, um, get creative. Like if your church is all male elders, say, invite women in to a different meeting with them. And I just think 
I think we're emaciated in hearing women's voices, like the church is emaciated. So get creative with, with getting women at the table. Um, and then if I may recommend, I would say, if you could read a one book, it is emboldened by pastor Tara Beth Leach. My husband read it. Mm. And when he was done, it's not long. And he said, I want to be an emboldened man who emboldens women. And I just kind of caught okay. the the view for making sure women can lead and use their gifts. And yeah, so just a couple of thoughts. No, I appreciate that. I, and I, I know that a lot of my podcast family will as well. It's, um, it's it's interesting, right? Because I, I think oftentimes we don't even realize um, where we are with mm-hmm. it. You know, I, I I didn't realize the inequality and diversity in podcasting until publicists started sending me books, and I realized the white male to everyone else ratio. Yes. Like it's just a wild scenario. Yes. Like it's I you know, and I I I don't know, right? Like and just constantly trying to battle against that. I, it does transition nicely into. Um, the idea of a, a spiritual diet, mm-hmm. because I, I think a lot of people don't know that they're eating junk food. Yes. H- how do we how do we gain that awareness without having Crohn's disease, right? Like, right. How, or ripping apart our kitchen, our spiritual kitchens? <laughs> yeah. Like, how do we do that internal spiritual audit of where we are? Mm, that's a good question. You know, um, I ended up thinking about this as I was writing and what would help people figure out where they are and what nourishment they may need. And I put together the acronym OAT, O-A-T. Am I O O for overwhelmed? Do I feel overwhelmed? Do I feel anxious is the A or do I feel tired? And I would just say, ask yourself, where am I overwhelmed, anxious, or tired? And really take a minute and maybe journal up, journal those thoughts out. Um, am I overwhelmed by what other people think of me or um, what I feel like I need to produce to be loved? Um, what is the overwhelm here? What am I anxious about? What's in front of me? What's what's going on in my job, in my world, in my leadership? Um, and what do I feel tired about? And I think if we could start to identify where we feel malnourished in our soul, um, we can start to ask God, what now? How do I find nourishment in the places that are starving my soul? Hmm. Um, how, How do I see people? Do I see them? Do I see each person as a problem to fix or do I see people as they're made in God's image? They're a Mago day. And if I disagree with them or they have a different color of skin or a different culture or background, how do I see them? And what is that doing to my soul? Um, so yeah, I would think to assess, just start there and see what God drills down on Hmm. in those areas. I, as, as I was kind of going through the writing, one of the things that um, I noticed in myself was that some of these areas tend to hit harder than others. Mm -hmm. Like, so, so we, she's, Amy starts off by saying, uh, you're starved by connection, shame, and humility. And then you're star four. And she goes through a lot of the different 
um, parts of who God is, like King and Justice, Sabbath, like all these different places where God wants to meet us. Now, I'm, I'm giving all that backdrop because I'm about to ask Amy a very unfair question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Amy, what? which one of these is the reoccurring theme in your life? Oh, yeah. I'll tell you right away. Um, starved for my identity to, to yeah. be beloved. Here's what's really fun. I didn't realize this for, for many years, but my name, my name, Amy means beloved one. Oh, wow. And I needed that in a, in a bad way. Cause I've, I walked through um, sexual abuse as a young child. There's been some other things and he needed to know that my job is literally to just be loved. That's what beloved is that we would be loved. So I, I find myself, this will probably be the story until Jesus comes back, that I need to practice being loved, not for what I push or produce out into the world, but that God has bestowed his love upon me and I receive it not by anything I've done. It's so fascinating to me. One of the things that I've been studying recently is that um, I've really come to believe that God's redemptive nature is that on the other side of our wound is our greatest gift. Right. Yes. And so your, your wound is that it's, it's very similar to mine that I, I don't feel seen. Right. Mm-hmm. You, what I hear you saying is you struggle with your identity. Right. And so then what's your gift? Well, you, you write a book that sees people's hearts, mm. right? Yeah. Like that's, it's such a fascinating, um, a, a fascinating redemptive nature of God's character. Right. Yes. Like it's, it's so beautiful, but if you're anything like me, then one of the things that's got to be true is that you wrestle with that uh, kind of like vulnerability of when you put a message like this out there, it, it's almost imposter syndrome, yes. except, you know, intellectually, you're like, oh, I give all God, all the credit, all the good things in my life come from God. But, yes. but man, do I feel, you know, kind of vulnerable <laughs> yes. right now? How do you deal with that? Oh, Help me, Pastor. <laughs> jump in the trench. We'll just walk together. I don't know. We're figuring out as we go. <laughs> oh, that's a daily. You know what? I honestly think the way you deal with it is you keep coming to God and he's like, yeah, I wanted you to come to me about this so we could get closer. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is your dependence upon me on a daily basis. You know, like <laughs> oh. I know, you know what? Recently I was really struck by, you know, the famous, um, Paul telling, you know, I have this thorn in my side and God's, you know, asking three times, will you take this away? And I can feel like that, like, God, when will I be okay and fulfilled with who I am in you? Like when, when, and, uh, and even watching God say, no, I'm not going to take this thorn, but I'm going to give you two things. He says, my grace is enough and my power is perfected in your, this weak spot right here. And so just praying, like, God, I feel vulnerable, open to the world, weak. <laughs> I'm going to count on your grace and power because that's those are the two things you said. And boy, you got to show up with those. That's like a regular <laughs> prayer. <laughs> I, I, I get the impression that community is a big part of your life and your family's life. Um, do you have, uh, obviously you live a very public life on, on the gram. Um, but it's also, 
you know, appropriately private, right? You're not putting all your family stuff out there. Um, how, how do you nurture intentional community in your circles? Yes. So our church has done an amazing job of, of this and we've had, um, we've had community groups for years. And even with my church recently closing its doors, there's a group of people that said to me, Amy, can we still come to your house on Mondays and have tea (laughs) and pray and be together? I'm like, yes. Even thinking whatever the structure is, the community can transcend that. Like our relationships, Mm. a church may have closed, but our, our relationships did not. And, um, I've just really grown to think I I used to buck against like a weekly rhythm of people and community, like, Oh, who has time for that? Um, but God has been like, this will be your lifeline. These people, you need to let these people carry you too. this mutuality of, of carrying one another. That's so good for me. Yeah. One of the things I noticed in the book and I just, you can tell me if I'm crazy. It's fine. Um, that Robbie's uh, at, at the end of the book, Robbie, obviously you guys figure out the rhythm with the Crohn's disease and the food and you go through this massive cleaning out. And then um, it's not lost on me that the third day of the diet change is when he was healed. What did you get in the, so here's the question I have about that, right? Like, obviously I can read that in, in hindsight and then be like, Oh, it's Jesus. You know what I mean? Like it's the healing power of Jesus. But did it feel like that in the moment? Take me what would that first day that he was without pain? Did you realize what had just happened? You know, I did not. And I, I even love that you put it that way. Cause even right now I'm like, man, would we say he's healed from Crohn's disease? I really felt like God said, he's going to have to carry this the rest of his life, but man, he's been in remission from it for four and a half years. And Mm. the diet has been a game changer. When I saw no pain day three with the, with this diet, I was thinking, um, is, is this forever? Is this going to last? Like I didn't have, you know, I didn't have the end of the, I didn't have five years down the road. I thought, will the pain come back tomorrow? Like, is this a reprieve? Um, but the more then the weight started to come back, he started to look healthier and healthier. I was really stunned by what God had done, especially Tony. Since <laughs> when we found the diet, I presented to my husband, I want to try this diet. But our doctors had said, no, you need to try these like Humira and all these other things, wow. which are heavy hitters under chemotherapy, you know, all the things. And my husband and I butted heads. Like at one point I stared at him in the, on the back patio. And I was like, I think we need to do the diet. And he's like, you want to go against what the doctor said? And I was like, yes, I do. And I turned on my heel and I went upstairs and I wept because I was like, you need to get on my page. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> so there was such turmoil in every relationship during this time. Sure. You know, okay. It's stress was high. Um, and so even thinking what happened was that my husband started to read articles about the SCD diet and was like, just watching his heart change. Like, yeah, let's give it a try. Let's try it for six weeks and then see how this works. So when day three happened, I was like doing a little party dance on my own. Like (laughs) (laughs) I thought this might work, you know, I didn't have any inside information. I don't know. I just was hoping to try diet first. Um, I'm not anti-meds at all, but, um, 
Yeah. So I think God's grace has been super kind. I don't know what the rest of Robbie's trajectory of life will be. I know when stress hits, um, it hits his stomach. And I think about when he goes off to college, how will this affect his life? And, um, but man, I count on the faithfulness of God in the past for his future goodness all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Love that. Um, okay. I have one more question for you. Uh, but before I ask it, I know that, um, I know that all of my podcast family is going to want to connect with you all over the interwebs. (laughs) Where is the best thing to learn about what God is doing in your ministry and what the next book is going to be about? Unless you can give us a teaser right now (laughs) and what, you know, I'm angling. I don't know if you can tell or not, but I'm angling. (laughs) So where do we learn all things? Amy? You know, if you're going to be on the socials and be social with me, Instagram, just Amy Seifert at, on, on Instagram. Also, um, amyseifert.com is being updated all the time too. Um, so you can find me there. I wish I could get, I, I have a meeting with my publisher in three days, so I wish I could tell you more, <laughs> <laughs> but it's coming and it's a book I okay. cannot wait for. Um, good. Yeah. Good. I would love to have you back on the podcast when it comes back. I would love out. it. When it comes out. I would love it. Great. You're so good at this. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I, I have last question. It's the hardest one I'm going to okay. ask you all day. Okay. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, mm-hmm. except I get to name the season of life that you're oh, in. Okay. And so I want to take you back um, to your very first day on Bowling Green. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and Bowling Green has kind of played this interesting role in your life as, as both like this ministry launching pad and uh, your church home, because that's where your church was. And it's, it's kind of like the, if there was an epicenter of your uh, ministry timeline, it would be Bowling Green University, go Falcons. Yes. Um, and so, so if, if you could go back and talk to that younger version of Amy, the very first, at the end of your very first day mm. on campus. And you could sit knee to knee with her, hold her hands, and look her in the eye. That young woman, what's the one thing you're going to tell her about what God has in store? I would say to 18-year-old Amy in the dorm, Anderson, I would say, wait on the Lord. You Hmm. don't have to make your life happen. Wait on him. He's going to shepherd you. Amen. (laughs) Amen. That's perfect. (laughs) Amy, thank you so much uh, for being so generous with your time today and with your heart and what you do to build the kingdom. Uh, I deeply appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing your space with me. What a fun and enriching conversation. I love the way she talked about her practice of prayer. I love the way she talked about what we're starved by. Such a convicting and important conversation. Amy's an incredible teacher. Go follow her on Instagram. Make sure you check out her uh, Bible Minutes with Amy. It's such good content. And I'm so thankful that she's out there every single day building the kingdom of God. I'm also thankful for each and every one of you. Part of the Reclamation family here. It means the world to me. Uh, Every time you share this episode, every time you tell somebody about the podcast, it means the world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
I'm looking forward to continuing to bring you this incredible content as we head into the holiday season. And remember, guys, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.